In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, Amen. My Lord and my God, I firmly believe that you are here, that you see me, that you hear me. I adore you with profound reverence. I ask your pardon for my sins and the grace to make this time of prayer fruitful. My Immaculate Mother, Saint Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me. Well, as you know, we are on the eve of the Solemnity of All Saints, which will fall tomorrow on Sunday, also known as All Hallows Evening or Halloween. It's apparently from the ancient Scottish or something like that that we get Halloween, the actual word, All Hallows Day. Now, as you perhaps heard, the Pope has named the papal preacher, the preacher of the papal household, his name is Rainiero Cantalamessa, he named him recently as a, as a cardinal. He's uh, well past uh, 80, I don't know exactly how old he is, but um, nevertheless he has, he has been preaching to the, to the popes for many, many, many years. And uh, he once said that how fascinated he was to consider the possibility of intelligent life outside of this planet. Imagine if there was intelligent life. I mean, there are many movies and novels about intelligent life and aliens and stuff. And he said that indeed the scientists have been sending out signals into the cosmos, into space, imagining that maybe there'll be a response. We'll get some response from some intelligent life. Some intelligent being in a lost planet will get our our signals and will be able to respond to us. We are here. But of course, even if inhabitants outside the solar system did exist, communication with them would be practically impossible because because between the question that we make to them, the signal we send, and the answer would take it would take millions of years for just for the the exchange to happen. And we said, hello, how are you? It would take millions of years until they answered us, we are fine. And by that time, they'd be all dead. Even if we could send a message at the speed of light. That's why the church has always maintained a dialogue between the inhabitants of another world, the saints. And though they are in another world, the communication with them, the answer, the, the, the question and the answer is, is immediate. It's instantaneous because we have a common center that unites us. And that common center is Christ. The risen Christ, who's not dead and buried, but he's alive. They adore him forever in heaven, and we can adore him also here from earth. So we have that immediate center of encounter of the living Christ, all focused on Christ. 
And, uh, well, even though people might go trick-or-treating tonight and have some fun, people take on new identities. I went to the school uh, yesterday and they said, are you dressed up as a priest? Uh, well, I don't know if I'm dressed up as a priest, but uh, because that's my identity, you're not going to go, you know, trick-or-treating as, hi, I'm myself, you know, I'm dressed up as myself, you know. You know, in other words, if you didn't even put on a costume, you know, well, um, but people like to put on new identities and they they get dressed up as serial killers or whatever. But um, but really, uh, this feast, uh, the feast or the solemnity, really must be an, uh, an occasion for us to re-energize ourselves with that encounter with the living Christ. Because he really is the center of our real identity. Not whatever identity we might put on. He is the center of our identity. And those saints, well, some of them are, are on the altars, some are not on the altars, even if they should be on the altars. And maybe they will be on the altars eventually. Some of them are not on the altars because there's just, they're just not enough um, wall space for all of them. There's just so many altars in this world for all the saints. But so many others, that is, saints, have left just, a, just an incredible imprint of sanctity day after day and have passed unnoticed. Unnoticed to human eyes, not to God's eyes. And uh, yet they never escape the loving gaze of God. All these people that are saints, that are saints here on earth, let's say, they're struggling to be saints, and, and they are there enjoying the glory of God, seeing Christ. They are grandmothers, they are ordinary workers, probably lots of healthcare workers, uh, uh, train operators, uh, garbage collectors, homeless people, students, children, IT professionals, businessmen, probably lots of uh, aborted babies in there. They're all part of the saints, all the saints. So this is not about us. Sanctity is about that encounter which they are experiencing now and we are beginning only to, to kind of get a foretaste of it. And so today, well today, on the eve of the Solemnity of All Saints, we have to consider that, that all of those that entered into that, into that realm of sanctity, that world, they did so through an encounter with conversion, right? through, through a transformation. Maybe, maybe aborted babies, well, they were, they're just, who knows, you know, they just entered it. Maybe they didn't require conversion. We don't even know. We don't even know. Maybe the Lord required of them some form of conversion in a way that we are not aware of, that he has not revealed to us. This is what St. Bernard of Clairvaux says around, I think it's around, he's around the 13th century or so, or 12th century. He says, why should our praise and glorification 
or even our celebration of this feast day, that is the Solemnity of All Saints, why should it mean anything to the saints? You know, when you, you celebrate a birthday, the person's very happy, oh, thank you for the cake, and they blow out the cake, and, and they're very happy that people pay so much attention. Well, the saints, they're in heaven, they. Why should it mean anything? He says, the saints have no need for, of, of honor from us. Neither does our devotion add the slightest thing to what is theirs. Clearly, if we venerate their memory, it serves us, not them. It serves us. But I tell you, he says, when I think of them, I feel inflamed by a tremendous yearning. Calling the saints to mind inspires, or rather arouses in us, above all else, a longing to enjoy their company. So desirable in itself, and we long to share in the citizenship of heaven, to dwell with the spirits of the blessed. We long to be united in happiness with all the saints. So, when we honor the saints, it's not so much because they deserve some honor or or we think that that's what they need, like when we celebrate somebody's birthday. It's good for us to celebrate them because it will really uh, increase our desires for that, for really what is really the purpose of our life, to be saints. I remember some years ago when I was living in Quebec City, I remember a nun in Quebec that I went to visit when I was a university student. Her name was Sir Corinne Cloutier. She was an Augustinian nun and she lived in a rather rather old uh, convent there in uh, the lower part of uh, Quebec. And um, well, I went to speak to her because I needed a place where we could visit the sick people or the shut-ins or, you know, I wanted a list of names that we could go and visit with young people just to go. Maybe she knew people that we could go and visit. Maybe she had a list of names and stuff. And uh, and I remember going there in the summer. It was a very hot day. She received me with great kindness. It was a very hot day, and she brought some Kool-Aid out to us. Uh, I remember that, that refreshed us. She brought us to the, uh, to the uh, dining room there of the nuns. And, uh, well... I met her once or twice, she gave us some names, we went to visit those people and stuff, but then I kind of lost track of her, and, and well, I ended up going to Rome, and, and for some reason I still had her address, so I sent her a little card saying that I was going to get ordained, and she wrote back, and this, this was before the internet days, right, I mean, we didn't have internet in those days, but uh, and she was like, like totally thrilled, she was totally happy, she, she didn't know I was, gonna, I was going to get ordained, she had no clue in those days, and... Uh, and she said, you know, come back. When you come back from Rome uh, as a priest, you know, come and visit me, etc. Of course, by the time I came back, she had already passed away. You know? uh, I mean, she was not super, super old, but, uh, well, she passed away. So, uh, when I went to go and do a visit to Quebec City, I didn't live in Quebec City at that time, so I went to visit at one point, And I went to that, her, her convent, and... Um, uh, it, this was like in the middle of February, and I thought maybe I could go and visit her grave, you know, and pray for her there. 
and uh, I went to the whatever to the monastery or the not the monastery but the convent and I asked you know do you know where Karine Cloutier is is buried and the 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 nun in the porter's office said yeah she's in she's in the graveyard right over there and uh, but you can't go there now it was just completely covered in snow every I mean you couldn't even see the gravestones there was just there was no way right? it was too cold I mean I didn't have big enough boots for that so uh, so there was no way I could actually visit her now because of all the snow. But she was buried there, hidden, and I couldn't even visit her. She, that's how hidden she was. But I certainly felt very supported by her prayers. And I, in fact, I, I still feel supported by her prayers. You know, I think she was a, a faithful woman uh, you know, that had given her, her life to Christ. And, and that's how we have, to feel, well, we have to feel supported by the saints. And each one of us can choose even somebody. Of course, we can choose a saint that we like, whose story we like. A lot of us have, of course, a familiarity with the life of St. Maria, with Blessed Alvaro. But there are many other saints that, that connect with us, whether through their, reading, their, their writings or, or their life. And, and it doesn't even have to be people that are canonized. We have many people. Maybe you have a grandmother, a great-grandmother. Right? And uh, we know in the book of Apocalypse, John goes and he has a vision. He says he sees a, a huge crowd that no man could number. No man could number. An uncountable throng, which represents the, the spiritual offspring of Abraham. Those who imitated his faith as St. Paul says in his letter to the Romans. Because remember how the Lord promised to Abraham that he would be the father of many nations. And he told them to look up into the sky. And you see, look, look see all, that, all those stars? And if you've ever been outside and you see tons of stars, it's very impressive. He says, well, that's how numerous your progeny is going to be. Too numerous to count. And John says he saw them all there in white robes the garments of the faithful who endured purifying trials and tribulations. And that's why we are vested in the white robe when we are baptized. But we have, we have to keep that white robe clean and well, well, unstained because we're going to have to go to the banquet with our robes put on. Not like that man in the passage of the gospel who somehow gets into the banquet hall not wearing his robe. Everybody is well in robe. And, and the king comes in and he says, hey, what are you doing here without a robe, without a wedding garment? And the guy just remains silent. He doesn't say anything. He's, he doesn't say, well, I lost it. It's at the dry cleaners. No, he doesn't say anything. So we have to, well, he's, he's thrown out. You know? and, and so we have to, we have to, clothe ourselves with Christ. And we are, of course, by wearing our garments, living our baptismal commitments, we are connected to those who are wearing their garments now in heaven, those who are faithful to that baptismal garment that we have all been imbued with. So for us, what does that mean to wear the garment? What does it really mean? It's not just means physically wearing a garment. 
I mean, a garment or, or a robe, you know, the wedding garment or the, the baptismal garment is really a thing that covers you entirely. And it signifies, of course, that, well, it means that it has to imbue our whole life. We cannot simply conform ourselves to a kind of mediocre existence. Just just live um, just live mediocre existences, or sometimes we say liquid life. Just let things happen and go back and forth. And that's why Pope Francis recently, in 2018, wrote a, a beautiful, short little uh, encyclical letter called Gaudete et Exultate, Rejoice and Exult, about, the, about our need to be saints in the ordinary things, what he called the, the sanctity of the next door neighbor. And he encourages us, uh, he, well, what does he say? He says, the, the saints encourage us and they accompany us. Those bonds, he says, that we hold with them, they continue. And he talks about the, the sanctity of the next door neighbor and uh, never, never to be discouraged when we see the saints as though they were out of reach. And maybe you see paintings of the saints, maybe you see statues of the saints, and some of them are martyrs, some of them did great things. But, he says, saints, they had their defects, they had their struggles, they had their limitations. And what he's underlying here is that sanctity is really for you and for me. That's why the, the throng is so great. All saints, it's like there are tons, there are tons of people. No matter who you are, everybody can find a place there. Naturally, our model is Jesus Christ. He is the one who really is the model for everybody. And, and so maybe we can identify whom we can call out to, to encourage us, somebody else who overcame their struggles. Now the Holy Father is just beatified, Carlo Acutis, this teenager who was super into you know, the internet and stuff, and he, he died fairly young, I think at the age of 15. And he has encouraged many young people now to... To, to see the possibility of sanctity, even though he did very normal things. And if you just look at the history of the saints, it's, it's marvelous to see. And like, you take somebody like St. Francis de Sales. He came about 20 years after Luther, when there was a big upheaval in the church, and he helped launch the Counter-Reformation. Well, Luther launched the revolution, and the church defended herself with the counter-reformation, like fix up the church. And, and St. Francis of Sales was one of those who did that. He was one of the saints. And after all the, the depravity of many of the Renaissance popes, and after things were like pretty low, all of a sudden, everywhere, all these saints started popping up everywhere. Right? Pius the, the fifth, who was a Dominican pope, he launched the Catechism of the Council of Trent. It's thanks to him, it's thanks to him, Pope Pius V, that the Pope today wears white. You know, when we see a Pope, we see white, the white cassock. That's because of Pope Pius V. As far as I know, anyway. And, um, and he reigned over the church for many years. 
people like St. Charles Borromeo in Milan, St. Philip Neri, St. Teresa of Avila, his contemporary St. John of the Cross, the Carmelites, St. Francis uh, Borgia, and so many others, you know, that uh, like uh, St. Saint Vincent de Paul, take care of the poor, St. Peter Claver, who was uh, a missionary, went to, to Africa, he was a Jesuit missionary from Spain, or, or um, Saint-Pierre Fournier from, from France. He was in an enclave that was very, 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 very Calvinist. And he started doing a lot of catechism and, and he converted a lot of people to, from, from Calvinism. And it's just amazing how they're just popping up, popping up all at the same time. Right? And, and, and you know, there are many, many others, right? Um, it was, some have described this as like a kind of a cluster bomb of sanctity or cluster bombs. Now, Luther wanted reform and maybe he had a good initial impulse when he saw all the, the lack of sanctity and the corruption in the church at the time. Uh, but he really should have applied it to himself, to his own life. And he became very hard-headed. He became very kind of stubborn. Like the, the reform wasn't happening. He got like totally stubborn. And... Um, but the saints realized that what was God really asking of them? And so the solemnity of all saints has to give us a lot of confidence and encouragement that we can be saints, whether we are canonized or not. Well, we say canonizable sanctity in the sense that it has to be very real. I mean, Pope... Pope John Paul II has canonized uh, over 300 saints, more than, I think, more than his predecessors. And that crowd is getting bigger and bigger. And uh, Pope uh, Francis II is canonizing many, many martyrs. A few years ago, on, on, in 2011, in the Syriac Catholic Cathedral of Our Lady of Deliverance in Baghdad, in Iraq, it was suddenly attacked by jihadists and 48 people were killed that day, including two very young priests who had been appointed there. And apparently now, honestly, I don't know what the state of that uh, cause is, but you know, the, the, these are martyrs and I think the cause is pretty much finished. And, um, and they were martyred. Or now, you know, we have others uh, in France and other places. So, you know, when future generations will look at our photos on our Facebook page, uh, or wherever we will keep our photos in the future, in 20, 30 years from now, maybe Facebook won't exist then, I don't know. But there'll be some page where they'll see our photos, right? Um... Well, what will they see? What kind of person will they see? A person really seeking sanctity? I mean, picture this in the Acts of the Apostles. It says about Peter that they even carried the sick out into the streets and laid them on cots and pallets so that when Peter came by, at least his shadow might fall on any one of them. That's what they wanted. 
They just wanted the shadow of Peter to fall on the sick. People who were under the shadow of Peter were healed. Not by the shadow, but by God's power working through, through Peter. And uh, these are miracles that happened back then. The shadow of his person healed them. So we can ask our Lord now, well, Lord, grant that I too may cast the right shadow as I walk by people in my life. That's an image of what happens to the saints. They cast shadows. We cast a shadow wherever we go. We leave an impression. We leave a mark. We can, we can cast evil shadows. Somebody who loses his temper or gets very moody or grumpy, that's casting a shadow. Like the shadow of a haunted house. Ooh. The silhouette of a black haunted house with bats and stuff, right? And a cat. Ooh. That's a bad shadow. I remember we would do that as, as a kid, we would, we would um, do the shadow game on a light and we would, we would with our f- hands like this, cast a shadow and, and make like a silhouette of a person and see, you know, like you could do, some people could do Nixon, you know, with the fingers like this and other people could do uh, Pierre Trudeau or Johnny Carson or, or somebody and, you know, you have to guess who, look, who is that, you know, and then, uh, you know, somebody with a big uh, chin or something like that, right? And, um, and it's amazing how there were people who were professionals at making silhouettes just with their hands, right? Like that. And George Carlin would do that. So, and so, we were always casting shadows. We're not always conscious of this. Our virtues, our vices cast shadows. And people are able to judge us. They can see if we are real. If we are really reflecting the image of Christ. So let us ask the saints, and I invite you to choose whichever one you want. Choose whoever you want. Saint Josemaria, Blessed Alvaro, Guadalupe. Obviously, we've got the great ones like our Blessed Mother and Saint Joseph, obviously, but whoever you want. Well, in particular, we can go to Our Lady, She's called Regina Sanctorum Omnium, Queen of all saints. Pray for us. She'll intercede for us so that we get truly fired up with the desire to be saints every day of our life. I thank you, my God, for the good resolutions, affections, and inspirations you've communicated to me. In this meditation, I ask you all to put them into effect. My Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me.